Warning, Spinning on Two Wheels contains language, themes, and references that are inappropriate for the ears of children, sensitive grandparents, and public forums. Headphone use is recommended. Hi, y'all. I'm Peggy, the kick-ass knitter. My pronouns are she, her, and hers, and I'm bad to the bone. Grab your yarn and throw open the throttle. It's time to kickstart this episode of Spinning on Two Wheels. Hey, y'all! Welcome, welcome, welcome to all my lovely new listeners, and welcome, welcome, welcome back to all of my lovely returning listeners. And a shout out to Knitting Daddy Greg, who owns, instead of rides, a 600cc Honda Shadow. Thank you, Greg, for introducing yourself on the roll-on ramp thread in the Ravelry group. And if you would like a shout-out on the show, be like Greg and introduce yourself on the roll-on ramp thread. If Ravelry is no longer a website you use, please drop me a line on Instagram at thekickassknitter. Knitting Daddy Greg has been previously referred to as one half of friends of the show duo Pam and Greg, hosts of the Unraveling podcast. And if you don't already, give them a listen. They are always delightful, heartwarming, and I love their book club episodes because I always learn something new. Today's episode is being recorded on September 28th, 2021 and will include open throttle, stalled, a dropped bike, and a short detour through the scenic route. So punch into gear and let's roll on! This is Open Throttle, getting you up to speed on my current projects. First up today in Open Throttle is MHK! Woo! I feel like it's been a little while since we've talked about the Master Hand Knitting Program. Long-time listeners will know that I am still working my way through the Level 1 course of TKGA's Master Hand Knitting Program. It's both more than what I expected and also not, not enough. I don't know. I say that in level one. We'll see what levels two and three bring. I needed to resubmit several swatches, which is fine. I was expecting to. And the swatches that I needed to remake are made and blocked. Woo. All that's left is some seaming and lots of writing, which we all know is going to be a struggle for me because the knitting part is the fun part. I have also been swatching for a wingspan shawl for a special someone. That is that pattern that went absolutely fucking viral a few years ago by Kyle Vey, aka Vector Knits. I am going to be using a lovely gradient set from Miss Babs called Vineyard on the Yowza base and all of the colorways of the kit are named after grapes. 
Yauza is a yarn I am uh, I am very familiar with. Most of Husbando's yearly sweaters are made from Yauza. It's a DK weight yarn. It's made from 100% superwash merino wool. The gradients, the gradient kit, the gradient kit transitions from a deep jewel tone vibrant purple called muscadine grapes all the way to a delicate lavender purple of valiant grapes. It's, it's really cute. And I think it's going to make a fantastic wingspan. That's that big shawl that really does look like a set of bird's wings. And it went viral in part because it was depicted in a gradient kit from Blue Brick Fiber. And I think it just photographed really well. I have no, well, I haven't known anyone personally who's made it, but I've run into some knitters in public in the before COVID times who were making it and they warned me, get ready for some stockinette. And you know what? I'm ready. The swatch itself is being made in some leftover gray yarn, also Yowza, called Gomez. And interestingly, the swatch is in linen stitch. Which I think is odd because swatches aren't usually in different stitch patterns. They're usually in stockinette or garter. Um, but this one called for linen stitch, so that's what I did. Linen stitch is odd for a swatch because it is a textured stitch that creates the illusion of woven fabric through alternating slipped stitches. And it that makes it difficult to count your rows and calculate your actual gauge because when a stitch is slipped, it no longer belongs to a single row, but it's now part of two rows. So how do I count the rows for the swatch? Is it just still just one? Do I count two because the whole thing's linen stitch? So each one's, you know? I need to do a little bit more research on that topic. And if I remember, <laughs> I will discuss this and share my sources in the next episode. Next up, the phenomenal sweater has gained a few inches on the back. This section is a little tricky because the pattern calls for changing needle size down and then some increasing in the selvage edge. I, however, will never, ever, ever increase or decrease into the selvage edge, thank you for the fantastic life advice and tattoo idea, president of TKGA Arenda Holiday. Never, ever, ever do it. Don't do it. Why? Because then you're left with this fucking step on the outside of your knitting. It doesn't finish cleanly. It doesn't seem cleanly. Don't do it. So I have done a little finagling to blend those increases flawlessly next to the mock cables of the stitch pattern. And it worked out pretty good. I used a bar increase over the side, blends it right in, makes it look just like another purl stitch. Boom, done. And last but not least, I have been spinning and plying 
more of the Rambouillet fleece. I still somehow managed to miscalculate how much actual finished three-ply yarn will fit on my big bobbins, but it's working, so I'm happy. And we're going to roll on to the next segment after this break. This episode brought to you by Gage Rage. When you're knitting and you just can't get Gage. Gage! Thankfully, this stalled is going to be a shorter one. The only thing I really need to talk to y'all about is that wingspan gauge swatch because it has frustrated me in a couple of new and confounding ways. The first was that the instructions for linen stitch that I found through Interweave Media demonstrate the right side of the stitch pattern as the wrong side of the stitch pattern. I think it's inside out. Or I, maybe I think it's backwards. Anyway, having the bumpy side as the right side of a fabric strikes this knitter as a crime against fucking nature. So I had to deal with that and just kind of reversing everything to flip it right side out for myself. And since the swatch was mostly being worked on while I was riding in a car... I frequently had to tink back, tink, that's knit backwards, to correct stitches multiple times. Too many to count, truly. Too many to count. I'm not counting the uh, miscalculation of the ram brulee fleece and the capacity of my bobbins for my spinning wheel installed because it hasn't stopped me or slowed me down. I just keep rolling. And we're going to keep rolling on to the next segment after this break. This episode is brought to you by my mom's yarn stash. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, 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 oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, 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 oh my god. Mom. Ooh, oh my god. Oh my god. Okay, y'all know the episode is gonna be fun when I have a dropped bike. Ah, oh, shit, I dropped my bike. You may have noticed that Operation Sock Drawer, what, what, was not included in Open Throttle. Peggy, what the fuck? Where are our socks? They're here. They're here. Ugh, the koi socks are here. As a dropped bike, with a little bit of today's show sponsor, Gage Rage, tossed in. I, huh, I went to measure the little itty bitty swatch I made for these socks when I realized a fundamental flaw, fundamental, in the foundation of the swatch, there was a problem. The Meta Socks pattern, which is what these Ultimate Koi Pond Socks, Ultimate Koi Pond Meta Socks, that's a mouthful, but I think we can do it. These Ultimate Koi Pond Meta Socks are being made from the Meta pattern 
published in Operation Sock Drawer. What, what? And that pattern called for a swatch in the fucking round. My swatch, my swatch is flat. And unfortunately for me, and all of the fucking time I spent frantically knitting on that swatch and winding that yarn into a ball by hand in a fucking car on our way to the hospital, swatches knit flat and swatches knit in the round behave very, very differently. So my current swatch is useless. It is absolutely useless. Now I'm going to give myself a little bit of grace for missing that small but very pertinent detail of the pattern because that swatch was made during a particularly turbulent day of a particularly trying week. But I am still mad that it is wasted. Absolutely wasted. But in all fairness, I must share, there may be a silver lining to all of this sock swatch fiasco. And that is, I don't really want to use that yarn for the base of these socks. So that swatch wouldn't really have given me the most accurate information anyway. It's the same, the yarn is the same size and from the same source as the yarn I will eventually use as the base for my ultimate koi pond meta socks. Say that ten times fast. But it doesn't have the same fiber content. The swatch that I made, the useless one, was on croissant sock base from Kim Dye's yarn, love them, which is 100% merino wool. And the actual socks will have a base and main body of sourdough sock base, also from Kim Dye's yarn, which is 80% merino, 20% nylon. And if I pass on no other wisdom other than quoting Arenda Holiday, a never, ever, ever increase or decrease in the selvage edge, if I pass on no other wisdom, let me pass on this. Yarn destined to become socks? Fucking needs to have some nylon content. Are we good? You got it? Yarn destined to become socks needs to have some nylon content. It just helps the socks hug the foot better and stand up against all of the wear and tear of being inside shoes or on floors and the constant movement of feet. Yarn destined to become socks needs to have some nylon content. But I had to special order a skein of that base in the color I needed, and it has not arrived yet. So the ultimate koi pond meta socks are still considered a dropped bike because I can't fucking do anything with it. And that swatch has been banished from my sight. And after that, after admitting that my knitting sometimes sucks, 
and I sometimes fuck up royally. After that, I need a break. This episode brought to you by Sunshine. I felt some this week. You should too. Let's all do our part to raise spirits by safely going outside. Feel good? Get your recommended dose of vitamin D and you'll get the pretty, pretty yarn. Welcome to Scenic Route, where Audio Man has insisted I put my ramblings through the scenic highways and byways of mostly my garden. This is where I gush about my plants. I do hope y'all enjoyed the pictures of the blooming flamenco rose in last episode's show notes. If you haven't seen them, go check them out. There are lots of pictures that are exclusive to the show notes that are never shared on Instagram, and some funny footnotes and captions. Plus, you get links and more information on everything I talk about. All of it. I hope y'all enjoyed those pictures of the blooming flamenco rose, because there will be more this week. That particular cultivar of rose, the blooms continue to change color as they open and grow. I wasn't expecting that. I have been taking delight in it. And now instead of like yellow and red, it's kind of this like speckled pink and white. It's really pretty. I'm also very happy to share that the repotted Brigadoon Rose is blooming under sable skies. Well, okay, not quite blooming, but it has a bud and it's ready to bloom as well. Also, my last-ditch effort to grow some basil and jalapenos is showing some success. No peppers yet, but the basil is looking very healthy. I actually used some of that basil in dinner the other night. It was very lovely. I don't know why I struggle so hard to grow herbs in my yard, in any pots, anywhere. They just don't seem to survive well. It's something I know about. It's always really disappointing when researching like vegetable garden um, tips and tricks. Everyone goes, oh my god, try companion planting and plant basil with like everything. Tomatoes and jalapenos and so that they just, they pair well together and it's not, they are not plants that take the same nutrients from the soil. So they are not depleting your soil of nutrients extra fast. But I can never get the basil part to grow. I don't, I don't know. So I planted them in some planter boxes gifted to me by a neighbor. And I just said, you know what? Fuck it. If it grows, it grows. If it doesn't, no big. And they grew. They actually grew. I was so surprised. What? But I'm happy because fresh basil in pasta is delicious. And I'm actually really excited to cook up more with some more fresh pasta. Baking and cooking became a little bit of an escape and renewed passion during lockdowns and the beginning of the, the COVID times. I do count pasta making as a part of that. And I never knew it was so simple and fun to hand make and hand roll pasta. Hard work! Hard work! but definitely fun and really satisfying. And also when we could have fully vaccinated friends back to the house, 
rolling out like a massive pasta dish and being like, here, all of this vegetables, all of the pasta, everything used to make this. I made by from scratch by hand. The the tomatoes are from the garden. The the basil's from the garden. It's all from here. It was amazing. And the looks on their faces oh, filled my bucket. It was just, yes, yes. It was good. It's good. And I'm really glad to have more of that fresh basil. I'm really hoping to get some jalapeno peppers to pepper. Hopefully, if the weather turns here in the mid-Atlantic, hopefully I'll be able to pull those plants into a pot and try to keep them alive inside. I have a better track record inside. Like, I'll overwinter things in pots in the house, and then the next spring I'll bring them out. Herbs. This only happens with herbs. Bring them out and get them acclimated to being outside again and get them acclimated to the soil, and I'll put them in the ground, and they immediately die. And I've tested my soil. There's nothing wrong. They're just... dramatic little shits. And if there's more to share, I'll share more with you next time. Because that brings us to the end of our road. And that concludes this episode of Spinning on Two Wheels. The theme music is Organ Rock, classic hard rock by Julius H. and is used under a Creative Commons license. Remember to join the group on Ravelry and check out the Instagram at the Kickass Knitter. Show notes are always found at twowheelspodcast.wordpress.com. If you like this show, rate and review. It really does help. Audio and emotional support by my brother Larry. Hi, everybody. You can find more of his work nowhere because he is an enthusiastic amateur. Thank you again for joining me. And remember, I'm repping for you. We're all in this together. Keep your wheels on the road. to the bone.